I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one. Do you want anything from the shop? Cornetto. Chocolate! It doesn't say anything about a chocolate, does it? No. No, it doesn't. Sure it doesn't. So fuck off! My boy says he can eat fish. Hello and welcome to the 79th Spool Podcast. Wow. Yeah. That's anyway. impressive. I know. Uh, and you've been part of all of them. Thanks. Yeah, 78. So uh, we're no longer kind of related to a record. We're now on to 79. I was trying to come up with a click at something for 79. Don't know. Yeah, moving on. So anyway, I'm Nigel Weekly, and with me, as always, Mr. Pork McYo. Hey, Pork. Hello. So it's been a good few weeks since we've been with you on a regular kind of podcast, so we've lots to catch up on. And um, that hasn't been, hasn't exactly been beaten down the doors in terms of us seeing amazing films all the time, but we've enough No, pretty to chat about solid it. films, I though. Yeah, so in the next 40-odd minutes, we'll be talking about the new Steve McQueen film, Widows, the record-breaking Freddie Mercury biopic, Bohemian Rhapsody. Mamma mia. Which isn't Mamma Mia. Um, Roddy Doyle's low-budget Irish family drama, Rosie. And then Porrick cinema highlight of the year. Uh, well, possibly. One of them. Yeah. Well, the cinema highlight, the Nicolas Cage starring Headmelter Mandy. Uh, anyway, I guess we'll kick off just to set the mood. We're going to talk about Widows. Here's a little bit of music from Hans Zimmer. He did the score for it. So let's do it. Yeah, so Widows is the new film from Steve McQueen. It's his first feature film since 2013. Which, when the trailer came up, it's like the new film from Steve McQueen. And I was, I was just feeling like, yeah, I can do a new film from Steve. Yeah, McQueen. five years is a good. Yeah, had stretch. you seen the trailer for this, or what was your pre? I kind of had seen bits about it, and it looked pretty impressive. You looked know, impressive, strong but equally, female cast. Like... But again, you're kind of like, where's this going? And it was a really weird cinema experience. It was in Roth Mines. Sold out screen and not the Stella in the Omni. No, in Swan, yeah. Swan thing, yeah. So we were about ten minutes early, and it this came out by the way on a Tuesday. Mm. What is going on there? Anyway. Longest kind of opening weekend. Uh, was told it was a sold out screen and or grand. Literally, the film's about to start, and there's about forty seats still to be like occupied. So you're just like, oh, okay. Then literally everybody comes in as the film is going on and you're like, shut up and sit down, please sit down. And yeah, then all together, are like, like did a bus, yeah, is there literally a busload of people? It was kind of cheap Tuesday, so I think they were all... In the pub. No, like in the can, you know, getting popcorn and stuff, because they all come in with their bars of popcorn. Was like, and then I was like, oh, hey, there's Nigel. Like, oh, look, there's so-and-so. Have you noticed this thing when you go to cinema? So it's now seemingly acceptable to turn on the light on your phone as you find your seat. To find your seat. I found this in Cineworld. I saw this in Cineworld. Um... Uh, on opening day as well and everyone was just like using their well a couple of people That's coming in late not everyone that's kind of gone to the your tickets on your phone now yeah but which I, I have like, actually turned to can people not walk in the dark anymore do you need a flashlight to get to the loo in the night or if you're like no can people not just mooch around anymore yeah. anyway you don't want a me mo- too situation yeah, though you know? absolutely anyway the movie Widow Widows. Yeah, so it starts quite abruptly in, um, well, no, not that. That's perfectly normal. There's uh, Liam Neeson and Viola Davis are a couple. Um, you kind of find out later that you presume they're married. You realize that they've had a kid together who has died. Um, it's kind of learned early enough on. And then... It, and they're well off, and I suppose we don't yeah, know. Yeah, quite rich, nice yeah. apartment. And it cuts then straight away to a robbery in progress. And you know that it's Liam Neeson and a gang of people. And then it kind of cuts between the other women. We've got Michelle Rodriguez and Elizabeth uh, Debicki. It cuts between their partners and then cuts back to the heist. 
and at the end of the heist and the other car- the other guy whose name I can remember Carrie Coon oh yeah Fargo yeah and the leftovers so then everybody gets killed in the heist and then it cuts back to the women kind of attending the funerals and then we're introduced to the kind of third element of the story where we have uh, Brian Henry who people will recognise from Atlanta who plays Paperboy he is Jamal, who is running for the governorship. Know, or the ward. They're called these wards. Yeah, kind of councillor, I'm going to say it is. Yeah. yeah, so he's kind of going for that up against Colin Farrell, who plays Jack Mulligan. And um, it's a very, it's and set his in Chicago, dad, the whole film. So yeah, it's very, his dad, Robert Duvall, had it. And, and it's, they've had it kind of for the last it. like 80 years. So his dad is an amazing racist. Yeah, <laughs> he's so kind of standing up to him. But uh, Jamal has kind of a shady background as well, much as Colin Farrell. So... It turns out that Liam Neeson's gang was robbing Jamal of his money. So then he goes to Viola, Viola Davis to be like, um, "Your hubby was robbing us. Me. You now owe me the money." Two million. So then yeah. she kind of has Two to million go into this process to get the money back. So here we have a little clip, just kind of of all the women uh, together, kind of in the what do you call it? The den. Oh, the, the den. He- heist den. Yeah. The girl's happy to split your cut. Split our cut. It's equal or nothing. You vouch for her? I don't require a vouch. You're gonna need another gun. I got my own. You need to watch how you talk to me. If you're in, we need to get you started right away. Yeah, so there we kind of have, kind of gives you a bit of the mood of the film. I kind of realised when I was watching it that there's very little score to it. There's a couple of nice songs. <clears throat> Excuse me, there's Van Morrison song playing what at one point. What about the music we had there a few minutes ago? Yeah, it's very mid. But Hans, because Zimmer, Hans Zimmer has toned it down. Yeah. The, the heist at the beginning and the certain other action bits later on are both well scored. But other than that, a lot of silence just leaves them to it. And I'm always aware of that in the film because I can hear everyone around me eating food. And I was like, are you all pigs? Can you not just wait two hours? Um, I had that... Um, Good few years ago in Hunger. I think that was one of the main <laughs> films where yeah. me and our, our friend Jillian went to see that and uh, eating away on the popcorn, and then you're like, oh, this has been bad tasting. And Black yeah. 47 had the same thing. So. so the film is very enjoyable. It's very tense. I think it keeps a good kind of tension throughout. What do you, how many stars are you giving it? Just I give it four. Yeah, I'm in the four and a half camp. I was, I was in the five up until sort of just maybe three quarters of the way through where it just got away from me. But the world you're in and it, it took me a wee bit of while while to get into but i think that was just kind of the distraction of the audience and the environment but then the more i get into it I was like oh no yeah, yeah i'm really getting this and then because the heist kicks off you're like oh this is cool and then it's gone and there's another character um uh jadame who's played by daniel kaluuya he is brilliant he's kind of um, who we know from get out yeah and he's kind of jamal's henchman yeah or right hand man he's incredible he's kind of this really unnerving character so anytime he appears on screen you're like oh no he pays a visit to a uh i guess a paraplegic is that mm. fair to say a man um in a wheelchair who's like i didn't get this wheel uh, you know i was able to walk before i had a death to these guys or something so yeah they put him in the wheelchair and then they also that's a horrible scene yeah there are twists that we're not going to get into, which you kind of can see coming. You're just kind of like, eh, yeah. Yeah, but you go um, along with it. You kind of, yeah, it doesn't take away from it too much. I think it's a fantastic, like f- the fact he can pretty much just turn out a film like this, that it, to me, it reminded me of The Departed, plays a bit like The Town. So it's very much in that like American 
like heist filmmaker thing and you wouldn't like it's brilliant that Stephen Green can just do these it's also better so I watched Oceans 8 uh, two weeks ago and as they were putting together their crew I was like this basically Viola Davis is playing Sandra Bullock's character of Danny yeah. Ocean's sister or whatever she For gets it. into and it very Ocean's quickly it's very flawed but kind of enjoyable yeah but this matches a lot of the enjoyable thing there's something very special about seeing groups of women who are well written this is uh, Gillian Flynn who wrote Gone Girl and, and Sharp Objects as well have you finished Sharp Objects? yeah yeah. yeah. so um, knows how to write women we'll just say uh, mm. from those two things um, but knows how to write American kind of lower society mixed in with higher society. I think the and script I love is all brilliant. The kind of, yeah, um, modern day kind of asides, like the death of Viola Davis and Liam Neeson's son, I thought is very good. And there isn't a whole fanfare about it. You're just like, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah the racial thing does, uh, you know, he, Liam Neeson's wife, Viola Davis is black. Like it does, you do question that a little bit. No, look, it's realistic and it's believable. But then it, it kind of permeates through it in different kind of ways. Like yeah, it's and it's all there subtle, very subtly, like, and yeah. just kind of under, there's no... And then the two governors. Standard. And kind of nice that we both saw this on the day of the midterm elections, which were dominated by, uh, which turned into a news podcast here from yeah. uh, NPR, but, like, dominated by stories of uh, race and uh, gender as well. So, um, yeah, I'm in the four and a half. You're in the four. So Definitely four. worth seeing. Oh, 100%. Um, yeah, so very good. Another film that... Um, this will potentially knock off, I think, the box office in America next week and stuff. Um, because I think it's making loads of money is Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, which oh, it's coming out in the states. It came out, I think, uh, to last week or two weeks ago, and it's just making lots of money. Mm. And they didn't really know Queen as much. Um, I feel like we should take ten seconds of uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Galileo, Galileo, Picardo. How was that? Higher. Can you go a bit higher? If I go any higher, only dogs will hear me. Try. Galileo! Galileo Figaro! Higher. Jesus, how many more Galileos do you want? One more, one more. One more. Galileo! Go on, roll the track. Who even is Galileo? Are we done? That's it. He loves you. Bohemian Rhapsody from director Brian Singer, but not fully because he left the project uh, midway near Something the happened. end because he's a nightmare. Well, apparently a nightmare was leaving the set um, and Dexter Fletcher, the British director, was kind of brought in to finish it. Uh, Remy Malik, they just hasn't been part of any of the press. So I think whatever. Yeah, I was there, totally unaware that Brian Singer was involved in this until his name came up on the screen. I was like, what? Then I was like, oh, yeah. I wondered if this was over the whole yeah, well, I don't know at what point he, anyway, he was disappearing um, lots on set. So anyway, it doesn't really matter, but it's a bit of an undercurrent um, of it. Uh, so it tells the story, needless to say, of Farouk Bulsara, aka Freddie Mercury, and the formation and the the life of the band Queen. I was inc- incredibly ignorant of Queen, I realised this. When it started, I was like, he wasn't English. <laughs> or like, he wasn't. I was just like, I just presumed. This is great. Do you remember yeah. I'm dying? Here's actually... No, actually... I remember my ba- my cousin who was babysitting us watching, so he died in 91, I think, mm. but watching some concert of Queen. And I was like, who's that weird looking guy? And 
I think, you know, it was a memorial. They were re-showing, like, some famous concert or something. Yeah. So I'm going to presume that was 91. I was, like, six or whatever. So it's realistic. Because this is kind um, of the thing with Queen. Like, to me, they're always, like, they have some brilliant solid hits, but they're they're a bit naff. Or that was always yeah. kind of, like, there was no one really who was like, oh, Queen, are deadly. Everyone yeah. kind of had the greatest hits at some point, but it was like, they're a bit naff. Yeah. And I think this... So this uh, doesn't exactly not downplay their naffness but it does kind of make them seem a bit more of a serious entity like it's three kind of square guys and one of the most colorful memorable vibrant characters you could ever imagine uh, being in a group and um yeah i suppose so this goes down the very clean and crisp version of their story because brian may and roger I was going to say Roger, Roger Deacon, is that his name? John, no, it's John Deacon. Sorry, forgetting the name. Anyway, it's not Roger Daltrey. I get confused. Anyway, Brian May and and other uh, both had huge input into the story. So we don't see Freddie take any drugs. We don't see any uh, proper actual gay activity. There's a gay kiss and that's about as far as it Yeah, put. and there's very it's kind very of like, oh, look, he's giving a look here or he seems to be in nods. a BDSM and, club. Yeah, but. an earlier... Uh, I think in the summer, maybe I watched a film that was nominated for the Oscar BPM, which is about the AIDS crisis as it uh, hit in France. And that's brutal in terms of showing what uh, HIV and AIDS did and how society kind of dealt with it. Whereas with this, it was sort of more, they very much went for the... And the kind of whole film, this isn't a spoiler, I don't think, kind of starts and ends with that Live Aid gig. Yeah. Which, which you kind of knew in some way that it was going to do. Like, it, yeah. it starts but with that them about to go had me buzzing, though. So here's the yeah. thing. So I actually, I think I gave this film three, three and a half. Incredibly mm. flawed, but incredibly enjoyable, easy, lovely to watch. Mm. Even though there's lots wrong with it. It didn't annoy me. It was like being at a West End musical or something. Yeah. And yeah, like the Live Aid bit. It's one of the most immersive, that is phenomenal really great. cinema and things like, I'm going to have all year. Like. The way they kind of geared that up, we're like, haven't really played with each other. There's kind of animosity yeah. between Do you remember them. Live Aid? You were three months old. No, oh. I don't. Don't, don't quite No, but again, that. but the legacy, that's the kind of thing that you'd have a VHS maybe of in the house or like someone. Yeah. Or when they oh, you're all Live very Aid. much aware of it. You're aware of, of yeah. it and, and stuff. But I thought they could have had a bit more fun just made. And it's quite sad, the whole film, because I can't remember his name. He's in Downton Abbey. Uh, he's an Irish actor. Irish actor, yeah. Um, and he's in Women on the Verge on TV at the minute, yeah. Oh, the other Irish actor I'm talking of. Yeah. Is he Wait. a woman on the verge? Yeah. No, that's his boyfriend. His first boyfriend, who's his manager. Oh, yeah. He's in a thing called Doing Money. And he's in, what else did you say? He's in Downton, Downton Abbey. Abbey. And he's the yeah, Irish yeah, yeah. driver. Yeah. Uh, oh, his there's story kind of is... a whole relationship between them. That's really sad for Freddie Mercury. You're just like, yeah. oh, God. Yeah. What? And I wonder what I meant. I don't know what that real life version is. But your man anyway ends up selling the story going on like the Terry Wogan hmm. show talking about what a terrible terrible person is but incredibly sad incredibly lonely didn't know didn't acknowledge his homosexuality mm. blah, blah 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 but yeah i am so but i it, went three and a half where do you land yeah that? i'd give it about a three it is enjoyable it is odd though because it does kind of very much brush over the whole something that was such a big part of his life and doesn't really yeah. get into it so you're a bit kind of like mm. yeah but it's not called freddie mercury it's kind of Bohemian Rhapsody so it's Queen but it's Queen and it's the VH1 very much the West End VH1 yeah. and the music West End musical version of it yeah um, but yeah so for, uh, also in the cinema uh, that's I went to London and I wanted to go to the BFI IMAX and I wanted to see First Man in IMAX but it had been replaced by Bohemian Rhapsody 
So. Oh, the reason I went to see First Man, I went to see First Man on a Monday. I missed my Irish class because the following day I was going to be kicked out by Bohemian Rhapsody. And I was like, you had told me, go see First Man in IMAX if you can. Mm. So I was like, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. I was going to reveal, actually, the bit of card, Cine World card swapping there, but I better not talk about that. No, no, it's all about sport. So, First Man is the new film from Damien Chazelle. New it. It was uh, new a month ago. Yeah, okay. Yeah. What is the year then? The latest. La La Land. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> latest. Um, all about the life of um, Neil Armstrong, who is played by Ryan Gosling. And Claire Foy is his wife, who's played by Janet Armstrong. And there's lots of other kind of characters dotted in and out, people you would know to see. Like, like, oh, there's that guy who's in everything, but is never a leading character. So it's kind of as they're starting to get the space program underway and get up there into space and then get on to the final, the initial moon landing. Um, I really like this film. I don't know if it did gain too much by being seen in IMAX because to me there's more like to me this is really a film about death um, like it's kind yeah, of yeah and it, bereavement and yeah, loss like, like it's, it's a really spoil- sad is film. it a spoiler to say pretty much all the other astronauts died yeah and uh, I like, didn't really know that though. when he was doing his other before he went into the space program he was working on another um, flight program and like it was like oh they died then they died then they died then they died and he had a daughter who died you learn this to start quite quickly so he's just kind of constantly surrounded by death and he's just very quiet and doesn't really know how to cope with it and never talks about it and he's just like because he's a man in the 50s and 60s so this is our job this is what we're doing this is how we have to get to it and i think claire foy is very good and kind of managing that like what what do you do like you you can't force him to talk there's a brilliant scene then when he is has been picked for the moon landing and um she makes him talk to his kids because it's like i might die i might not come back and she's like yeah he was ready he was was just like i'm gone i'm going you know and she's like no you're sitting down and talking to them and like saying goodbye um it's there's not much talking in the film it's quite quiet and there's a a brilliant scene where they land on the moon and open the hatch door and it goes from like the craziness of inside to just like total silence and you're like this is bonkers and that's where imax if anyone who Mm. saw or didn't see it in imax that's where the screen fully yeah explodes out and you're like fuck we're on the moon yeah but it's um to me there was a lot of hallmarks of early good Terence Malick in it there's lots of kind of weird camera shots and kind of especially with the family in the house at different times and playing with the kids thought it was a very free-flowing camera kind yeah. of going in and, and the, the aesthetic like the production design it all looks amazing like you mm-hmm. want to be in their little kitchen and you want to the way the labs are sort of set up and everything mm. um, is very very but cool. it was a smart trailer in that they make it look like an action film and it's not yeah so yeah I thought it was very enjoyable I definitely kind of um, go see it yeah, what are you giving it? I give it another solid four. Yeah, so I was disappointed by First Man, but I admire it and it was very well and it had me thinking loads, but it just didn't really affect me in the way I thought it would. But then maybe I thought it'd be like a more celebratory, you know, pro-space, pro-science, pro-America kind of, aren't we great? But then it actually turned out, as you say, a film about death which just bummed me out a little bit but yeah i really admired it but i just didn't get i wasn't affected by it in mm-hmm. the way i thought it might be anyway so also in the cinema bit of i'm trying to link gosling and bradley cooper name film that they're doing anyway uh is a star is born which is out at this stage five weeks or whatever but we didn't really or is it like is probably it is yeah it's out about a month anyway best picture 
favorite probably probably gonna get director actor singer actress and all that kind of thing and it's not anyway yeah, yeah it's very enjoyable and it's kind of I was going to say it's kind of shite. It's the kind of film that uh, the Oscars loves. Yeah. Oh, there's our link. First Man, directed with Damien Chazelle, uh, La La Land, the last pseudo-musical to kind of win. And this is kind of a pseudo-musical. Yeah. Oh, wait. But Bradley Cooper is very good as a director. It didn't win. I forgot. He, he won director, though, didn't he? Uh, yeah. After Moonlight slash La La Land. Okay. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah. So do you... I don't know. Does anyone this stage need to... So it's basically Bradley Cooper is a big star called Jack, kind of country, but not naff country. It's kind of cool country, is it? Mm, kind of Keith. It's not Garth Brooks, like Keith Urban, a bit cooler. Yeah. Um, thing. So uh, he's massive global superstar. Happens across uh, Lady Gaga, who plays Ali in a club, kind of like a drag club, and uh, she's singing, and he's like, "Oh, you're amazing!" So the kind of head up relationship. And he falls madly in love with her, takes her under her wing. They Under his wing, yeah. Other, but he's a mad raging alcoholic. Massive alcoholic. And he kind of falls apart. And then she gets bigger and bigger. So it's kind of that story as his fame wanes and she gets bigger. How the relationships kind of switch and change. And um, just as kind of an input, here's a wee clip of the two of them in a bar. Kind of this first sparks of the relationship. Can I ask you a personal question? Do you write songs or anything? I don't sing my own songs. Why? I just I just don't feel comfortable. Why wouldn't you feel comfortable? Well, because like almost every single person that I've come in contact with in the music industry has told me that my nose is too big and that I won't make it. Your nose is beautiful. Are you showing me your nose right now? Yeah. You don't have to show it to me. I've been looking at it all night. Oh, come on. Oh, I'm going to be thinking not. about your nose for a very You're long time. You're full of shit. I'm not full of shit. Yeah, I'm telling you the truth. Yeah. His uh, voice. Do you like the deep voice? Really like it. It Are kind you? of... It, it, Sam Elliott is also in the film. <laughs> yeah, so did he, he just wanted his voice. He obviously, yeah. And there is a bit of a joke and in it brothers. where it's like, he stole my voice. And there's a heartbreaking scene towards the end where they kind of like make up and have a bit of a reconciliation. I think it's a really good depiction of brothers um, as well. Did you know, spoiler, did you know he was going to die? Uh, no, I hadn't. Well, I kind of twigged. Had you watched the... I hadn't the, got to the end. Watched the oh, first half and I was like, oh, this is a very 70s film. Yeah. The Christopherson and Barbara Streisand yeah. one. So no, didn't know, but kind of twigged when he's like, give me one more look at you. I was like, oh, he's going to kill himself. Yeah, I only got it at that point and I was like, shit, wow. Mm. Um really dark gut punch yeah um, songs are great though gag is great and, and it's funny and there's a real chemistry between the two of them you really buy yeah. into it and believe it and as a director i can't wait to see what he does and her story is great as well uh, we have to just play a little bit of this clip um which is talking about their chemistry in real life gag is on the press tour as we know people go crazy on press tours but you've uh, dug up this clip which is basically um i'm just gonna play three or four of them but this is repeated about 40 times so yeah, this is this talks about the connection they had. There can be a hundred people in the room and ninety-nine don't believe in you. But I had this one incredible talent with me. There can be a hundred people in the room and ninety-nine don't believe in you, and you just need one to believe in you, and that was him. So you can have a hundred people in the room that are watching you and ninety-nine don't believe in you, and one does, and that was him. So So that's the blockbuster section of the uh, podcast over and done with um, some of the two little small films that I'd like to highlight um, now so first up is Rosie which I think is out 
for the last maybe two, three weeks, so it should still be in the cinema. Apparently did not do much in the box office thing, but when this is played, this is part funded by RTE. And I'd it's say a hard we, ask for people to go to, like, yeah, people yeah. who are interested in film and interested in Irish film will go. Yeah. But, like, if you're like, do you want to go see Stars Born or do you want to go see a film about uh, homeless people? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And so Roddy Doyle is the writer. His name carries a certain amount of gravitas, but also people want to see the Roddy Doyle who wrote The Commitments, the kind of having the crack Roddy Doyle. Um, this, uh, and then directed by Paddy Bratnock, who did uh, Viva from last year, which, did you guys see it? Yeah, yeah. yeah brilliant absolutely film. brilliant. Like, yeah. So anyway, the film tells the story of Rosie Davis. She's a, a young, I guess she's a woman kind of our age, early 30s. Um, and she has is it five kids at this stage with her partner, John Paul. Four. Are they all John Paul's kids? Yeah, you kind yeah. of get that impression. There's yes, four kids, so. yeah. Me? Oh, yeah, okay. And um, they're sort of getting lost between the cracks is probably the simplest way to do it because they're not quite like fully on welfare, kind of with that looking for handouts or whatever. They're just there. They've come on hard times. Their rent went up and that kind of, they haven't been able to find somewhere to live. Um, and then the Dublin City Council support that they get is not really helping. You them missed in a, a way. brilliant link. What was my link between A Star's Born and Rosie? So every day hit, hit, hit she me with the every day she has to ring up a hotel to be like, Can I have a room for the night? And it's mm-hmm. like, Yeah, sure, but then Lady Gaga oh, yeah. comes to Dublin to play a gig and it's much oh. harder for her to get a hotel absolutely brilliant that is yeah well and then she's ringing them up and they're like oh yeah gaga yeah no she's great and all that yeah um and so yeah they're looking for the for the hotel room because obviously as we all know hotel rooms are used as support for um for the council services to house people and yeah which i kind of wasn't aware like i did wonder how that worked there's like a dublin city credit card that you're like you have to go and then you confirm yeah, I've got a place. Give me the credit card, and then you go back yeah. and confirm. Uh, it's really heartbreaking because and the they kids, get a night. You get two nights. Yeah, the kid. They're fa- anyway. They without going into too much detail. They're effectively living in their car, finding a hotel for one night, yeah, ringing around. She spends her whole day ringing around. It just it gripped me unlike anything I'd kind of mm. seen. Mo Donford is time. the husband in it. He's fantastic yeah. again. Yeah, and one of his seven films that are out this year, I think. Uh, and yeah, just to see the pride that they take in kind of holding their family unit together. They have like the, probably one of the most powerful scenes is near the end when it's getting dark on one night. I think it's a Friday, is it? The end of a week. And they can't get their accommodation sorted. So they're going to maybe weigh up sleeping in the car or whatever. But they're just going to get chips and it's all really grim. But they still have a laugh and kind of throw. Yeah, they're each able other. to kind of keep it together and so, keep that unit. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't hear too much with Roddy Doyle how much of it is improvised or how much they did multiple takes or how many how much the kids. But the chemistry, the, their dialogue is absolutely brilliant. Mm. Um, Sarah Green, who plays Rosie, is like fantastic. She was in Black Forty Seven as well as Mo Dunford as well. So. Um, yeah, there's just a short little clip of them just to give a uh, bit of the tone of when they're kind of leaving their hotel room kind of for the night. They're just kind of packing up, but it sort of shows you the sort of challenges that they're facing. I'm sick. You're not, hun. I am. You'll be fine, hun. Anyway, there's nowhere for us to go yet. Here. We can't stay here, Millie, I told you. Why can't we? We just can't. It's not our house. We have to leave. We've been looking for a new house when you're on school. That's right, yeah. So let's get out of here. Yes, master. Alfie, what? Your trousers, hon. Yeah, so if you can find it, go see Rosie. And if not, it'll probably have a TV broadcast and make loads of headlines. 
next should be on year RTE or on Christmas Day. Yeah, I think that'd be a lovely message for it. So I don't know. It just breaks your heart because we know there's problems with people getting housing, but you feel like the people at the very bottom aren't ending up out in the street, and it's not. The, it's the people who are trying to actually do mm-hmm. things slightly more honestly and and make a go of it. Uh, but yeah, so that's it. That's Rosie. Uh, another kind of small independent film is, but on a totally different kilter, is Mandy. Uh, stars Nicolas Cage and Andrea Riseborough. It's directed by Panos Cosmatos. Um, who everybody was kind of raving about. And then when I dug into him a bit, I was like, he hasn't really done anything else. But um, it's an absolutely bonkers film. It really is only shown in the lighthouse in Ireland, I think. Uh, it's still kind of shown there early at it's night. On Blu- it's on Blu-ray in America if you want to source that. <laughs> Uh, but it's great kind of watch it in the biggest screen you can with the best sound you have it's absolutely bonkers uh nicholas cage's girlfriend uh, mandy who's played by andrea gets kind of cat kidnapped by they're kind of like an homage to uh, the manson family i think or something this kind of it's set in the 70s late 70s early 80s she gets kidnapped by this gang and then Nicolas Cage kind of goes on a bit of a rampage to find her and get revenge. So Nicolas Cage makes so many shit mental films that no one pays any attention to. Why did this actually have a bit of cut through and what? Because it's kind of the visuals in it and it's in, it's quite a good horror. It's very unsettling. Um, like it's really the first hour and 40, like the first 45 minutes to an hour are incredibly. You're like, I could do with leaving maybe, you know. Or it's very intense. Then it gets to absolute bonkers. Like when I went to see it with a friend Ronan. And we kind of when we were settling in. It was almost like you were going to watch Evil Dead. Or a film from 20 years ago. And this was like oh we're bringing it back for a screening. It was a solo light screening. There's one. Have you seen it yet? You haven't managed to. There's one scene in it. um, If I just say like cocaine and a mirror where everybody like about half the audience just burst out applauding and clapping and cheering it's absolutely bonkers um people kind of you know i really enjoyed it ronan kind of hated it the more he thought about it uh there would be a bit of a bang of um neon demon about it you know so you might go with it or you wouldn't i definitely did and um yeah and the lighthouse has got some late night screens on the saturday next thursday night so they'll mm. probably keep it going for as long as the crowds and there's a couple of irish actors in it ned dennehy plays brother uh swan in it and then alwyn ferrara plays mother marlene yeah and they're brilliant in it so yeah andrea rice oh no she's you i thought she was irish she was in the fall and then um linus roach who's in the film um, is uh, Ken Barlow's son in real life Tri- ah. trivia uh, one very quick one just um, I was in London a few weeks ago and was lucky enough in the Imperial War Museum to see uh, They Shall Not Grow Old which is World War One uh, documentary that Peter Jackson has made so uh, the trick the gimmick here because you're like what but he's taken a hundred year old archive he's put it through all the most advanced processing ever to bring it to modern day kind of standards it's been colorized oh, he's added audio tracks no 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 though? but watch the yeah okay um he's added audio tracks lip readers have gone in and worked out where the battalions were kind of from and they've realized oh these guys are the fifth battalion from barnsley let's see what they talk like let's get some of their audio so it really humanizes them does everyone wear um, a poppy uh, no, because it's it's just telling their story of that time. So controversial. Yeah, and then it takes. Could he audio... not have superimposed poppies onto them? Uh, no, because it's from before the end. But anyway, the main thing is they all loved going off to war. They thought it was gas crack, 
and then half of the died and they were like yeah but it was all that like jolly good let's head off to war um and then they used it's audio yeah audio from the 1960s so most of the original um there was a series for bbc called the great war and they took all the foot the con the do you know that yeah that? yeah yeah so they, they, he peter jackson managed to get all the original outtakes from it and just mapped those against the pictures and it's probably not it's not the same people but it's in, it's actually incredible like the impact it it because you're used to like you know the frame rate i'm doing a little dance here but the frame rate for for film from the 1910s and early 20s was like dancey dancey because it was all manually filmed yeah whereas with it he has sort of uh just cleaned it up immensely i'll show you after the podcast and you can just look at the trailer and there's an interview that any wizards um, in it that peter jackson does know with uh marker mode about the process and yeah it's just very impactful and obviously this sunday is the 100th anniversary of the first Armistice And it is being shown, I think, isn't it? Yeah, so it's in Cineworld, it's in the Lighthouse, and it's in the Omniplex in Rathmines. So all those three cinemas couldn't be... It's a very nice hour and 35. The one thing, there's no one, there's no real discussion of conscription or the Irish input as well. So um, it's just very much about people who walked in and were marched in and just Mm. said, let's... They saw soldiers walking through their local town and then they just followed them and ended up signing up because there was nothing else to do. So, like, it's really hilarious, like, but... um, This is what happened before TV was there. Yeah, so there was no no Trump. So, anyway, that's They Shall Not Grow Old. A tiny, really quick one on Netflix to check out. It's called Shirkers. Came across shirkers. The, please spell what? S H I R K E R S. In other words, shirk. Shirk responsibility. Yeah, yeah. People, okay. So shirkers um, came across this due to podcast uh, or Studio Three Sixty, another podcast that a friend of the podcast Zoe is involved in, and uh, because it's America, who did they have on the director of the film? So um, Sandy Tan. Um, made this film in Singapore in the 90s called Shirkers and it was with her and a couple of friends and then this American film kind of guru to them or like this uh, father figure almost to them and he was telling them about how to use film and how to direct and all this stuff his name is George Cardona he helps them make the film and then after they make it he just pisses off with the real footage like disappears as a ghost never heard of or seen from again and like this is the early 90s and so it's just like oh that's gone then because we're just a bunch of 18 year old girls and we the internet isn't a thing we're not detectives we can't go find him so okay there goes our film but obviously that's not the end of the story and uh it's done really well and it's kind of heartbreaking then at times because you're like oh no um, but it's brilliant. It's uh, it's a film on Netflix. Really, really worth watching. Uh, Shirkers. Did, did you watch any of the Haunting of Hill House? On I've watched the first episode, but haven't kind of gone back to it. Uh, it's good enough. I liked the film that your man, the director Mike Flanagan, did, uh, Gerald's Game, which was last year's Stephen King kind of thing on Netflix. Mm. Anyway, Netflix. It's where it's at. Don't leave your house. Uh, so coming up in the next couple of weeks, um, for me, my pick is out on November thirtieth. I got a trailer for it. Before uh, Widows, did you get Creed 2 trailer or had you seen the trailer? No, but I have seen yeah. it. Um, so Ivan Drago's son taking on Apollo Creed's son with Rocky Balboa in there. The first Creed was one of the most surprisingly... I wish Mickey uh, had a son, films. the trainer. Yeah. And he could train them. That'd be brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, November 30th, which is a Friday, which is the same day as the toy show. So I suppose you could go... And Redneck Manifesto. And Redneck. Okay. So there's a... No- we're- 
we're gonna have to drop all those things in order to go i didn't know redneck manifesto was on the same day as social i'd forgotten that oh well yeah and they put a post saying it's new music i was like they have a new album coming out i was like ah no i didn't sign up for this i just want the hits ah you get everything so my pick for next month is speria it comes out on the 16th of november um or it was technically this month comes out next week and uh we dakota did. johnson jackson is in it and tilda Swinton. johnson yeah yeah and um, we did our watch with fool a couple of years ago on the first Suspiria um Tario argento uh we'll dig that out and tweet it and you can listen yeah, to it again it's i would happily go back and watch like youtube videos of the Suspiria film would you go and see it in the cinema the new one the old one, old one uh, i don't know the new they one is two and a half hours long yeah tom york soundtrack as well so uh yeah, it's gonna be great yeah um director so of call me by your name who's also maybe doing a bob dylan yeah uh, blood, blood on, on the tracks, tracks so anyway uh, we're gonna wrap up speaking oh, of older things. i saw juliet naked as well i just realized that's good fun worth a look tell us what that is chris o'dowd just because you mentioned bob dylan chris o'dowd plays kind of like a wanky spazzy uh bob dylan super fan uh only it's about somebody called um I can't remember his name even, but he plays... What accent does he use? <clears throat> He's a, who, What accent does he use? Chris O'Dowd. Is oh, it's kind of a non-accent. He's American or has he yeah. stopped? But your favourite actor is the guy he's in love with. Ethan Hawke? Yeah. Oh. And uh, so Ethan Hawke is basically like a mixture between uh, Nick Drake and Jeff Buckley. But he's still alive and it's that he releases an acoustic version of an album and uh, chris o'dowd's wife is just like this is terrible and he's like he gets in touch with her the star to be like oh yeah it is terrible and then they kind of strike up a relationship it's based on a book by nick hornby so it's a it's It's solid very nick hornby there solid worth a watch okay uh so that's in the cinema juliet naked yeah only came out this week cool um all right uh, so we're gonna wrap up with uh something a little bit different going back to the steve mcqueen film as everyone just waiting for the first end of your list to come in uh this is from uh steve mcqueen's shame in 2011 it's carrie mulligan singing new york new york uh where do you think it ranked in our films of 2011 in the top the group or in ours Uh, the film shame was in there do you think it was first or Third. the 50th? It was our eighth best film of 2011. Do you want to try to hazard a guess what the, our favourite film from 2011 was? Seven years ago. Um, That's how long we're doing this. No. I can't, oh, I haven't, can you give me a clue? Who was in it? Uh, the person, sorry, radio silence. The person who was in it was the lead in one of our films that we talked about. Uh, earlier on in this podcast oh drive yeah so we just go back to drive take shelter we need to talk about kevin uh yeah they were our top three from 2011 great year great year for cinema and great year for spool because that's when all this started uh anyway we will be back in a couple of weeks and then we'll have our best of the year but certainly a couple of contenders this month with uh from my point of view with Widows Rosie Stars Born those kind of things are all going to show up so yeah. here's to the next couple of months continuing all good stuff and yeah what are it. you playing now? And New York, New York oh Karen great Karen Mulligan okay bye start spreading the I'm leaving today I wanna be a part
think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one.